don't know if you guys remember 2020. It's a bit of a tough year. Uh, and we're still in the middle of a global pandemic. And I often, working in campus ministry, get asked, how are you doing? What does ministry look like in a pandemic? And I don't always know how to answer that because I don't know quite what they're asking. And frequently the conversation will get to how I'm, I'm personally doing. And my response is, is typically, well, 2020 was rough, but it's nothing like the end of 2015. That started one of the, the toughest stretches of our life. That's actually when we first came here. And Leslie and I, we were raising funds to be missionaries here in Kansas to work at the surrounding universities. We were expecting our first baby. We had just moved to a Manhattan, which was a new city for us. I was being asked to step into formal leadership for the first time in my life, and that's when I got the call. Uh, Leslie had gone to see the doctor that morning because she was feeling pressure in her chest, and she wanted to just get a checkup. And I could just hear it in her voice. There's that tremble where you have a loved one on the other side, and they're trying to hold it together because they don't want to freak you out, but you can tell they're scared. And she said, Samuel, they think something's wrong. Can you come? And I jumped in our little Ford Focus, and I, I drove as fast as I could to get to Via Christi. And that's when the, the doctor informed us that she had severe preeclampsia and that the baby was probably going to come two and a half months early, like that day. And here we are. Leslie gets airlifted. Adeline's born in the next 16 hours or so at a pound and 14 ounces. Just this whirlwind of events. A, a week later, when we were driving back from Manhattan to visit Adeline, our oldest, uh, we were T-boned a block from the hospital. This lady ran a stop sign and just drilled us, totaled our car. A few months later, we, Laura was driving with Leslie for Adeline's first checkup after coming home, and she got in an accident on I-70. There's like six cars that hit black ice, and it was just an absolute mess. And there I was, right? Starting 2016, end of 2015, and I had all these questions. Like, why? Lord, why, why me? We're trying to follow you. What did we do to deserve this? Do, what do we deserve? Who are you? What, what's going on? And I, I was just sitting there trying to make sense of it all. And, and I don't know about you, but when calamity and hardship hits me, the first place that I typically turn in my flesh is I turn to myself. Right? That's self-sufficiency. It's practically my middle name. Try harder, do better, work longer hours. Self, self, self. You got this, Samuel. Longer hours, working harder, doing more. That's, that's how I try and get out. And maybe you're not like me. But I'm willing to bet that when the storms of life hit you, you have somewhere that you turn. 
there's some form of coping mechanism when the trials hit. Perhaps it is self-sufficiency. Or it could be something like trusting in your GPA or your bank account. It could be numbing through social media. It could be finding your identity in your children or in your career, right? It could be anything. But we all have that default when the storms of life hit. So where do you turn when the storms of life hit? I'm inviting you to wrestle with the sufficiency of whatever that is. And we're going to do that by listening to Mark 4, verses 35 through 41. And it's the story of Jesus calming the sea. And we're going to look at how the disciples respond when a storm of life hits them. So Mark 4, 35 through 41, read it with me. If you don't have a Bible, just, just listen to this story. On that day when evening had come, he, that's Jesus, said to them, let us go across the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke. And rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? the Lord's holy word there and the grass withers and the flower fades but the word of our God shall stand forever I'm going to pray and we'll dump in, jump in Father I ask that you would use this passage here in Mark 4 to help us see where we find our sufficiency and strength to get through the storms of life Jesus, please meet us today in, in the very reading of your word, the hearing of your word, and in the preached word that I'm about to do. And Holy Spirit, please guide those words to the praise and honor of Jesus' name. Amen. So here are the disciples, and they're following Jesus into a boat. A, a boat they would be familiar with on a sea they would be familiar with. They know the Sea of Galilee is a stormy sea. They know how long it would take them to get across, and they know how to operate a boat. Some of them had been sailing these seas since their childhood, fishermen by trade before Jesus called them. This isn't the first trip they've made across this sea, and they know the Sea of Galilee like the back of their hand, probably much like Bill Boyce knows his family farm. They know the ins and outs. They know how to get around it. Right? This, this is something that they know so well, they probably miss it. Right? it it's kind of like as we've been packing up boxes, I, I don't know where all that stuff came from. 
okay, but like I just walked around my house, it's there all the time. Right? We're packing up the kitchen and we're wiping things down and I'm like, yes, everything's packed. I, the last thing I turn to throw it in the trash can and I'm like, there's a trash can that I have to pack, right? Like, but I, I walk by it every day so I don't see it, right? Or, or like when you drive to work every day, you don't think about driving there. That's the disciples. This is a place they're so familiar with that it's, it's a place where they, they feel sufficient. And that's where Jesus meets them. And he calls them out onto the sea, a place of their self-sufficiency. And this is where the plot thickens, right? Verse 37, a great windstorm arose and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat is filling with water. So that routine drive to work for these guys as they're going to cross the sea, it's routine no more. Right, they, they can kiss that goodbye. Right, this would be the equivalent if, if you were driving a, a back highway in Kansas and all of a sudden your car would get crushed by a flash flood. Right, it's that type of storm. And I know what you're thinking. There are not a lot of flash floods in Kansas. I get that. But just imagine with me, okay? It, you could just, the, the water would be filling into the car through the floorboards. Your, your doors would be pinned shut, right? It, this is an enormous storm. And so right here in the midst of this massive storm, the, right, let, let's hit pause and let's recognize, right, the sheer magnitude of it, right? But then let's ask this question, how did they get into this storm, Right, look at verses 35 and 36 again. How did they get into the storm? They, they got into the storm by following Jesus. They're not in this storm because they've done something wrong. No, they're, they're in this storm because they heard the words of Jesus and they followed him. That's where they're at following Jesus in a place where they feel self-sufficient and now they're pinned down and they're actually not self-sufficient. They're, they're, they're at a place where they are beyond themselves. They cannot save themselves at this point. They are in need. Right? So here's the climax. What's going to happen? What are they going to do? Right? The storm has slammed their boat, and they're like, where's Jesus? Where's he at? Right? And we see in verse 38, Jesus, where is he? He's in the stern, asleep. How he's sleeping, I don't know. I mean, I've slept the last two nights on an air mattress with a, a one-year-old, right, waking up every hour. I don't know how Jesus is sleeping through this storm, right, where water is literally filling the boat. I don't get it, but he is. He's asleep. The, the day of ministry that he has done before he calls the disciples in the boat has wore him out to the point he's sleeping through this storm. And so what's going to happen? Right? It, it's at this point that the disciples, they turn to him, and, and they're about to wake him, and you can just feel it. They're afraid. 
They're afraid they're going to die. I, I know we don't think about death in our society a lot. I think a significant part of this is that we typically live really long lives in the United States, so we don't have to think about it that much. But that's not the disciples' reality. It's at this point in the story that you can just imagine they don't know if they're going to see their loved ones again. They are terrified. So don't just gloss past that here, right? As, as this massive storm has hit them, they're truly afraid. When was the last time that you were at one of those places in life where you were beyond your self-sufficiency and you were terrified? That's where the disciples are in this story. They're afraid. The magnitude of the storm is going to crush the feebleness of their mortality, and they know it. And so they're, they're just waiting to see what happens, waiting at a time in their life when they don't feel they can wait any longer, waiting to see what Jesus would do. So they turn to him, and they wake him up, right? They, they say, teacher, I mean, just imagine that they're grabbing him. Don't you care that we are perishing? Don't you care? And, and Jesus, doing what only Jesus can do, right? He, he stands up. Right? He, he's awake. And he rebukes the wind. And, and he says to the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and, and there was a great calm. And so we move, you know, as Mark tells this story, there's three, there was a great in the passage, and this is the second one. The, the first was there was a great windstorm, and now we're seeing the great calm. So moments before, the disciples, they're terrified for their life, and now they're standing in the boat on the Sea of Galilee, and it's perfectly at peace. The, the sea is the way it was meant to be for them to sail across. Can you imagine that calm? What that must have felt like? That peace? I remember when we finally got to bring Adeline home from the NICU after two and a half months. You know, after I clipped her little finger in the, the car seat for the first time and felt awful, right? Like, finally we got to I-70, and we are driving this little Camry, and Leslie and I, we just sat in silence. Because everything was the way it was supposed to be as new parents. The storm had finally passed. And things had been put back right. And that's the type of peace that Jesus has just brought to the Sea of Galilee. And so it's after this powerful pause, right? You can just imagine that everyone's looking around, right? They can just feel the, the presence of his power, 
that Jesus turns to the disciples. And we get to see how they're going to respond, right? Because Jesus just, he goes right at them. And, and don't hear what I'm saying. Jesus wasn't being mean or rude or condescending in these questions. No, this is, this is a, a tender father just coming after his children. And, and he just looks right at them and he's like, why are you afraid? Have you still no faith? How would you have responded Well, we see where the disciples are at. We see the third, the great, right? Verse 41. And they were filled with great fear. And they said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and sea obey him? I mean, how would you respond if if you were standing in a boat on Tuttle Creek and one of your friends in the middle of a storm said, peace, be still, and it all just stopped. Right? That's where these disciples are at. They know they're standing in the very presence of God. And they're overwhelmed with his power and his majesty. Who is this? Now, to to turn the corner here and and begin to apply this and bring this into our own lives, I know we won't commute to work by boat tomorrow, all right? You're probably not going to get hit with another storm that threatens your life anytime soon, right? And and the Holy Spirit doesn't fall asleep on a cushion, right, in your house, right? These are the type of things that are not going to happen, right? But... Here's the thing, Jesus will call you into the proverbial boat of discipleship. Jesus is calling you to follow him right now, today. He's asking you to get into the boat and follow him. And just like these disciples, storms they will come. The layoff from work, the addictions in the family, the consequences from that divorce, the financial struggles, the the wayward child, the difficult exam, the, the cancer diagnosis, the storms of life will come, just like this storm that hit the disciples. And all of the accompanying doubts and questions, they'll come with those storms. The questions like, does he care for me? Can he save me? Does God see me? Does he know where I'm at and what I'm walking through? Those storms, they are going to hit you. The the Christian life isn't a life devoid of suffering. Following Jesus, it, it requires suffering for his name. It's just part and parcel of the Christian life. 
the storms, they're going to come. But here's the thing. There are some things that never change for the people of God. Right? Just like crossing the Red Sea in Exodus 14, where God stands the sea up in walls to deliver his people. Right? Or in Acts 27, where we see Paul snatched from the sea in his shipwreck. Right? All of us, we're traveling to that day where in Revelation 21.1, it says there will be no more sea. Meaning there will no longer be storms in life. There will no longer be the danger of the sea in the Christian life. But we're not there yet. And so we're, we're hung between those two poles. Right? The, the one pole of knowing that God can deliver from the storms and seas of life. And, and the other pole that there's a day coming where Jesus is going to come back. And every tear is going to be wiped away. And he's going to be the sovereign one over all of creation. And that's where we have to live our Christian life. Right there in the already not yet until Jesus comes again. And so how do we respond today when the storms of life hit us? Here's the first thing this passage teaches us. It's that God is with us in the storm. Who gets into the boat first? It's Jesus. And then he calls them into the boat with him. Brothers and sisters, today God is near to you. The Holy Spirit has indwelt you. He is with you in the midst of the storms of life. He has not forgotten you. And he will never forget you. He is with you. So because God is with us in the storm, we can trust him in the midst of whatever storm that is, no matter how great. The second thing that we can take away from this passage is because God is with us, he's also working right there next to us. And he works all things for good. So we no longer have to fear the storm. We can fear the one who's sovereign over the storm. We, we can go from the fear of terror to the fear of reverence because Jesus is in control. And so because he's with us, we can trust him. And because he's working all things together for good, we can be free from worry and anxiety. We can Lean into that trust deeply. And the third thing that we can take away is, is because God's faithful in the midst of those storms, we can call upon him for all our future storms. So we don't have to live with that mentality of, oh no, there's going to be a storm coming. We know there's a storm coming. But we can trust the Lord in the future. Because it was no accident. This storm, it did not catch Jesus by surprise. As much as it looks like that in the passage because he's sleeping, 
he's not surprised. When he wakes up, is he panicked? No. He's not panicked. He's not afraid. Because he's Jesus. And he's faithful. And he takes care of his children. The Christian life is one of trust and surrender. Even in the midst of the storms of life. Self-sufficiency I've seen this in my own life over and over again. It, it isn't a salvation. There is no salvation in self-sufficiency. And I'm willing to bet whatever you thought of earlier when I asked you where do you turn in the storms of life, if you were to consider the sufficiency of that thing, I am willing to bet it doesn't compare to Jesus. And there will be a point where that, whatever that thing was, it fails you. Because it doesn't have the power to save. There is only one person who has the power to save. And his name is Jesus. He's the only one who can look at the storms of life and say, peace, be still. He's the only one who can look at the storm inside of you and say, peace, Be still, because he is God. If I were to put this sermon into a sentence, it would be this. No matter what the storm is in your life or your family, you can throw yourself upon Jesus because he is sovereign over the storm and he is sufficient to deliver you. Brothers and sisters, Today, let's throw ourselves upon Jesus freshly in the midst of the storms of life because he's the sovereign one and he can deliver us. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you sent your son and that he went through the ultimate storm, the the storm of the cross, so that we could be delivered from all the storms of life. And Jesus, we, we thank you for, for living the life that we should have lived and dying the death that we should have died. We thank you that you were raised from the dead. Holy Spirit, please lead us and teach us to trust in the finished work of Jesus in the midst of the storms of life. We ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen.